Volume 2, Chapter 3 Sir Walter had taken a very good house in Camden Place, a lofty, dignified situation, such as becomes a man of consequence, and both he and Elizabeth were satisfied, were settled there, much to their satisfaction. Anne entered it with a sinking heart, anticipating an imprisonment of many months, and anxiously saying to herself, Oh, when shall I leave you again? A degree of unexpected cordiality, however, in the welcome she received, did her good. Her father and sister were glad to see her, for the sake of showing her the house and furniture, and met her with kindness. Her making a fourth, when they sat down to dinner, was noticed as an advantage. Mrs. Clay was very pleasant and very smiling, but her courtesies and smiles were more a matter of course. Anne had always felt that she would pretend what was proper on her arrival, but the complacence of the others was unlooked for. They were uh, evidently in excellent spirits, and she was soon to listen to the causes. They had no inclination to listen to her. After laying out for some compliments of being deeply regretted in their old uh, neighborhood, which Anne could not pay, they had only a few faint inquiries to make before the talk must be all their own. Upper Cross excited no interest. Kellynch very little. It was all Bath. They had the pleasure of assuring her that Bath more than answered their expectations in every respect. Their house was undoubtedly the best in Camden Place. Their drawing rooms had many decided advantages over all the others which they had either seen or heard of, and the superiority was not less in the style of the fitting up or the taste of the furniture. Their acquaintance was exceedingly sought after. Everybody was wanting to visit them. They had drawn back from many introductions, and still were perpetually having cards left by people of whom they knew nothing. Here were funds of enjoyment. Could Anne wonder that her father and sister were happy? She might not wonder, but she must sigh that her father should feel no degradation in his change, should see nothing to regret in the duties and dignities of the resident landholder, should find so much to be vain of in the littleness of the town. And she must sigh and smile and wonder, too, as Elizabeth threw open the folding doors and walked with exultation from one drawing-room to the other, boasting of their space, at the possibility of that woman, who had been mistress of Kellynch Hall, finding extant to be proud of between two walls, perhaps thirty feet asunder. But this was not all which had they had to make them happy. They had Mr. Elliot, too. Anne had a great deal to hear of Mr. Elliot. He was not only pardoned, they were delighted with him. He had been in Bath about a fortnight. He had passed through Bath in November in his way to London, when the intelligence of Sir Walter's being settled there had of course reached him, though only twenty-four hours in the place, but he had not been able to avail himself of it. But he, um, had now been a fortnight in Bath, and his first object on arriving had been to leave his card in Camden Place, following it up by such assiduous, assiduous, Behavior, uh, endeavors to meet, and when they did meet, by such great openness of conduct, such readiness to apologize for the past, such solicitude but to be received as a relation again, that their former good understanding was completely re-established. They had not a fault to find in him. He had explained away all the appearance of neglect on his own side. It had originated in misapprehension entirely. He had never had an idea of throwing himself off. He had feared that he was thrown off, but he knew not why, and delicacy had kept him silent. Upon the hint of having spoken disrespectfully or carelessly of the family, and the family honors, he was quite indignant. 
He, who had ever boasted of being an Elliot, and whose feelings as to connection were only too strict to suit the unfutile tone of the present day, he was astonished indeed, but his character and general conduct must refute it. He could refer Sir Walter to all who knew him, and certainly the pains he had been taking on this, the first opportunity of reconciliation, to be restored to the footing of a relation and heir presumptive, was a strong proof of his opinions on the subject. The circumstances of his marriage, too, were found to admit of much extenuation. This was an article not to be entered on by himself, but a very intimate friend of his, a Colonel Wallace, a highly respectable man, perfectly the gentleman, and not an ill-looking man, Sir Walter added, who was living in a very good style in, Mar in Marlbor Marlborough buildings, and had, at his own particular request, been admitted to their acquaintance through Mr. Elliot, had mentioned one or two things relative to the marriage, which made a material difference in the discredit of it. Colonel Wallace had known Mr. Elliot long, had been well acquainted also with his wife, had perfectly understood the whole story. She was certainly not a woman of family, but well-educated, accomplished, rich, and excessively in love with his friend. There had been the charm. She had sought him. Without that attraction, not all her money would have tempted Elliot, and Sir Walter was, moreover, assured of her having been a very fine woman. Here was a great deal to soften the business. A very fine woman with a large fortune in love with him? Sir Walter seemed to admit it as a complete apology, and though Elizabeth could not see the circumstance in quite so favorable a light, she allowed it to be a great extenuation. Mr. Elliot had called repeatedly, had dined with them once, evidently delighted by the distinction of being asked, for they gave no dinners in general, delighted in short by every proof of cousinly notice, and placing his whole happiness in being on intimate terms in Camden Place. And listened, but without quite understanding it. Allowances, large allowances, she knew, must be made for the ideas of those who spoke. She heard it all under embellishment. All that sounded extravagant or irrational in the progress of the reconciliation might have no origin but in the language of the uh, relators. Still, however, she had the sensation of there being something more than immediately appeared in Mr. Elliot's wishing, after an interval of so many years, to be well received by them. In a worldly view, he had nothing to gain by being on terms with Sir Walter, nothing to risk by a state of variance. In all probability, he was already the richer of the two, and the Kellynch estate would as surely be his hereafter as the title. A sensible man, and he had looked like a very sensible man. Why should he, why should it be an object to him? She could only offer one solution. It was, perhaps, for Elizabeth's sake. There might really have been a liking formerly, though convenience and accident had drawn him a different way, and now that he could afford to please himself, he could mean, uh, he might mean to pay his addresses to her. Elizabeth was certainly very handsome, with well-bred, elegant manners, and her character might never have been penetrated by Mr. Elliot, knowing her but in public, and when very young himself. How her temper and understanding might uh, bear the investigation of his present keener time of life was another concern, and rather a fearful one. Most earnestly did she wish that he might not be too nice or too observant if Elizabeth were his object, and that Elizabeth was disposed to believe herself so, and that her friend Mrs. Clay was encouraging the idea seemed apparent by the glance or two between them, while Mr. Elliot's frequent visits were talked of.
Anne mentioned the glimpses she had had of him at Lyme, but without being much attended to. Oh, yes, perhaps it had been, it, it had been Mr. Elliot. They did not know. It might be him, perhaps. They could not listen to her description of him. They were describing him themselves, Sir Walter especially. He did justice to his very gentlemanlike appearance, his air of elegance and fashion, his good-shaped face, his sensible eye, but at the same time must lament his being very much underhung, a de defect which time seemed to have increased. Um, nor could he pretend to say that ten years had not altered almost every feature for the worse. Mr. Elliot appeared to think that he, Sir Walter, was looking exactly as he had done when they last parted, but Sir Walter had not been able to return the compliment entirely, which had embarrassed him. He did not mean to, comp uh, to complain, however. Mr. Elliot was better to look at uh, than most men, and he had no objection to being seen with him anywhere. Mr. Elliot and his friends in Marlborough Buildings were talked of the whole evening. Colonel Wallace had been so impatient to be introduced to them, and Mr. Elliot so anxious that he should. And there was a Mrs. Wallace, at present only known to them by description, as she was in daily expectation of her confinement. But Mr. Uh, Elliot spoke of her as a most charming woman, quite worthy of being known in Camden Place. And as soon as she recovered, they were to be acquainted. Sir Walter thought much of Mrs. Wallace. She had... Uh, she was said to be an excessively pretty woman, beautiful. He longed to see her. He hoped she might be, um, she might make some amends for the very, many very plain faces he was continually passing in the streets. The worst of Bath was the number of its plain women. He did not mean to say that there were no pretty women, but the number of the plain was out of all proportion. He had frequently observed as he walked that one handsome face could be followed by thirty or forty, Five and thirty frights, and once he had stood in a shop on Bond Street and had counted eighty-seven women go by, one after another, without there being a tolerable face among them. It had been a frosty morning, to be sure, a sharp frost, which hardly one woman in a thousand could stand the test of. But still, there certainly were a dreadful multitude of ugly women in Bath, and as for the men, they were infinitely worse, such scarecrows as the streets are full of. It was evident how little the women were used to the sight of anything tolerable, by the effect which a man of decent appearance produced. He had never walked anywhere arm-in-arm arm with, uh, with Colonel Wallace, who was a very fine military figure, though sandy-haired, without observing that every woman's eye was upon him. Every woman's eye was sure to be upon Colonel Wallace. Modest Sir Walter. He was not allowed to escape, however. His daughter and Mrs. Clay united in hinting that Colonel Wallace's companion might have as good a figure as Colonel Wallace, and certainly was not sandy-haired. "'How is Mary looking?' said Sir Walter, in the height of his good humor. "'The last time I saw her she had a red nose, but I hope that may not happen every day.' "'Oh, no, that must have been quite accidental. In general she has been in very good health, and very good looks since Michaelmas.' If I thought it would not tempt her to go out in the sharp winds and grow coarse, I should send her a new hat and police. Anne was considered uh, was considering whether she should venture to suggest that a gown or a cap would not be liable to any much misuse, when a knock at the door suspended everything. A knock at the door, and so late! It was ten o'clock! Could it be Mr. Elliot? They knew him to dine in Lansden uh, Crescent. It was possible that he might stop in his way, uh, stop in his way home to ask them how they did. They could think of no one else. 
Mrs. Clay decidedly thought it meant Mr. Elliot's knock. Mrs. Clay was right. With all the state which a butler and footboy could give, Mr. Elliot was ushered into the room. It was the same, the very same man, with no difference but of dress. Anne drew a little back, while the others received his compliments, and her sister his apologies for calling it so unusual an hour. But he could not be so near without wishing to know whether she nor her friend had taken cold the day before, etc., etc., which was all as politely done and as politely taken as possible, but her part must follow then. Sir Walter talked of his youngest daughter. Mr. Elliot must give him leave to present to him his youngest daughter. There was no occasion for remembering Mary, and Anne, smiling and blushing, very becomingly showed to Mr. Elliot the pretty features which he had by no means forgotten, and, in and instantly saw, with amusement at his uh, little start of surprise, that he had not been at all aware of who she was. He looked completely astonished, but not more astonished than pleased. His eyes brightened, and with the most perfect alacrity, he welcomed the relationship, alluded to the past, and entreated to be received as an acquaintance already. She was quite, he was quite as good-looking as he had appeared at Lyme, his countenance improved by speaking, and his manners were so exactly what they ought to be, so polished, so easy, so particularly agreeable, that she could compare them in excellence to only one person's manners. They were not the same, but they were, perhaps, equally good. He sat down with them and improved their conversation very much. There could be no doubt of his being a sensible man. Ten minutes were enough to certify that. His tone, his expressions, his choice of subject, his knowing where to stop, it was all the operation of a sensible, discerning mind. As soon as he could, he began to talk to her of Lyme, wanting to compare opinions respecting the place, but especially wanting to speak of the circumstance of their happening to be guests happening to be guests in the same inn at the same time, to give her his own route, understanding something of hers, and regret that he should have lost such an opportunity of paying his respects to her. She gave him a short account of her party and business at Lyme. His regret increased as he listened. He had spent his whole solitary evening in the room adjoining theirs, had heard voices, mirth continually, thought they must be a um, most delightful set of people, longed to be with them, but certainly without the smallest suspicion of his possessing the shadow of a right to introduce himself. He had but asked who the party were. If he had but asked who the party were, the name of Musgrove must have told him enough. Well, it would serve to cure him of an absurd practice of never asking a question at an inn, which he had adopted, when quite a young man, on the principle of it being very ungenteel, to be curious. The notions of a young man of one or two and twenty, said he, as to what is necessary in manners to make him quite the thing, are more absurd, I believe, than those of any other set of beings in the world. The folly of the means they often employ is only to be equaled by the folly of what they have in view. But he must not be addressing his reflections to Anne alone. He knew it. He was soon diffused again among the others, and it was only at intervals that he could return to Lyme. His inquiries, however, produced at length an account of the scene she had been engaged in there soon after his leaving the place. Having alluded to an accident, he must hear the whole. When he questioned, Sir Walter and Elizabeth began to question also, but the difference in their manner of doing it could not be unfelt. She could only compare Mr. Elliot to Lady Russell in the wish of really comprehending what had passed, and in the degree of concern for what 
she must have suffered in witnessing it. He stayed an hour with them. The elegant little clock on the mantelpiece had struck eleven with its silver sounds, and the watchman was uh, beginning to be heard at a distance telling the same tale, before Mr. Elliot or any of them seemed to feel that he had been there long. Anne could not have supposed it possible that her first evening in Camden Place could have passed so well. No, 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 I don't like it. Chapter 4 There was one point which Anne, on returning to her family, would have been more thankful to ascertain, even than Mr. Elliot's being in love with Elizabeth, which was her father's not being in love with Mrs. Clay. And she was very far from easy about it, when she had been at home a few hours. On going down to the breakfast the next morning, she found there had just been a, a decent pretense on the lady's side of meaning to leave them. She could imagine Mrs. Clay to have said that, now Miss Anne was come, she would not suppose herself at all wanted. For Elizabeth was replying in a sort of whisper, this must not be, that must not be any reason indeed. I assure you I feel it none. She's nothing to me compared with you. And she was in full time to hear her father say, My dear madam, this must not be. As yet you have seen nothing of Bath. You have been here only to be useful. You must not run away from us now. You must stay to be acquainted with Mrs. Wallace, the beautiful Mrs. Wallace. To your fine mind, I know well the sight of beauty is a real gratification. He spoke and looked so much in earnest that Anne was not surprised to see Mrs. Clay stealing a glance at Elizabeth and herself. Her countenance, perhaps, might express some watchfulness, but the praise of the fine mind did not appear to excite a thought in her sister. The lady could not but yield to such uh, joint entreaties, and promised to stay. In the course of the same morning, Anne and her father chancing to be alone together, he began to compliment her on her improved looks. He thought her less thin in her person, in her cheeks, her skin, her complexion, greatly improved, clearer, fresher. Has she been using anything in particular? No, nothing. Merely glow, uh, Gowland. Merely Gowland, he supposed. No, nothing at all. Ha! He was surprised by that. And added, Certainly you cannot do better than continue as you are, and cannot be better than well, or I should recommend Gowland, the constant use of Gowland, during the spring months. Mrs. Clay has been using it at my recommendation, and you see what it has done for her. You see how it has carried away her freckles. If Elizabeth could have but have heard this, such personal praise might have struck her, especially as it did not appear to Anne that the freckles were at all lessened. But everything must take its chance. The evil of the marriage would be um, much diminished if Elizabeth were also to marry. As for herself, she might al uh, always command a home with Lady Russell. Lady Russell's composed mind and polite manners were put to some trial on this point in her intercourse at Camden Place. The sight of Mrs. Clay in such favor, and of Anne so overlooked, was a perpetual provocation to her there, and vexed her as much when she was away, as a person in Bath who drinks the water, gets all the new publications, and has a very large acquaintance, has time to be vexed. As Mr. Elliot became known to her, she grew more charitable, or more indifferent towards the others. His manner, um, his manners were an immediate re recommendation, and on conversing with him she found the solid so fully supporting the superficial that she was at first, as she told Anne, almost ready to exclaim, Can this be Mr. Elliot? And could not seriously picture to herself a more agreeable or estimable man. 
everything united in him, good understanding, correct opinions, knowledge of the world, and a warm heart. He had strong feelings of family attachment and family honor, without pride or weakness, and he lived with the liberality of a man of fortune, without display. He judged for himself in everything, essential, without defying public opinion in any point of worldly decorum. He was steady, observant, moderate, candid, never run away with, with by spirits or by selfishness, which fancied itself strong feeling, and yet with an in, a sensibility to what was amiable and lovely, and a value for all the felicities of domestic life, which characters of fancied enthusiasm and violent agitation seldom really possess. She was sure that he had not been happy in marriage. Colonel Wallace said it, and Lady Russell saw it, but it had been no unhappiness uh, to sour his mind, nor, she began pretty soon to suspect, prevent his thinking of a second choice. Her satisfaction in Mr. Elliot outweighed all the plague of Mrs. Clay. It was now some years since Anne had begun to learn that she and her excellent friend could sometimes think differently, and it did not surprise her, therefore, that Lady Russell should see nothing suspicious or inconsistent, nothing to require more motives than appeared in Mr. Elliot's great desire of a reconciliation. In Lady Russell's view, it was perfectly natural that Mr. Elliot, at a mature time of life, should feel it a most desirable object, and what would very generally recommend him, among all sensible people, to be on good terms with the head of his family. The simplest process in the world of time upon a head naturally clear, and only airing in the heyday of youth. Anne presumed, however, still to smile about it, and at last to mention Elizabeth. Lady Russell listened and looked, and made only this cautious reply. Elizabeth! Very well, time will explain. It was a reference to the future which Anne, after a little observation, felt she must submit to. She could determine nothing at present. In that house Elizabeth must be first and she was in the habit of such general obser observance as Miss Elliot that any particular, uh, particularity of attention seemed almost impossible. Mr. Elliot, too, it must be remembered, was not, had not been a widower seven months. A little delay on his side might be very excusable. In fact, Anne could never see the uh, crape round his head without fearing that she was the inexcusable one in attributing to him such imaginations, for though his marriage had not been very happy, still it had existed so many years that she could not comprehend a very rapid recovery from the awful impression of its being dissolved. However it might end, he was without any question their um, pleasantest acquaintance in Bath. She saw nobody equal to him, and it was a great indulgence now and then to talk to him about Lyme, which he seemed to, be, to have as lively a wish to see again, and to see more of as herself. They went through the particulars of their first meeting a great many times. He gave her to understand that he had looked at her with some earnestness. She knew it well, and she remembered another person's look also. They did not always think alike. His value for rank and connection she perceived to be greater than hers. It was not merely complacence, it must be a liking to the cause, which made him enter warmly into her father and sister's solicitudes on a subject which she thought unworthy to excite them. The Bath paper one morning announced the arrival of a dowager uh, Viscountess Dalrymple of her, and her daughter, the Honorable Miss Carteret, and of the comfort of number blank Camden Place, and all the comfort of number blank Camden Place was swept away for many days, 
for the Dalrymples, in Anne's opinion, most unfortunately, were cousins of the Elliots, and the agony was how to introduce themselves properly. Anne had never seen her father and sister more in contact with nobility, and she must acknowledge herself disappointed. She had hoped better things from their high ideas of their own situation in life, and was reduced to form a wish which she had never foreseen, a wish that they had more pride for, our cousins Lady Dalrymple and Miss Carteret, our cousins the Dalrymples, sounded in her ears all day long. Sir Walter had once been in company with the late Viscount, but had never seen any of the rest of the family, and the difficulties of the case arose from there having been a suspension of all intercourse by letters of ceremony ever since the death of that said late Viscount, when, in consequence of a dangerous illness of Sir Walter's at the same time, there had been an unlucky omission at Kellynch. No letter of condolence had been sent to Ireland. The neglect had been visited on the head of the sinner, for when poor Lady Elliot died herself, no letter of condolence was received at Kellynch, and, consequently, there was but too much reason to apprehend the, that the Dalrymples considered their relationship as closed. How to have this anxious business set to rights, and be admitted as cousins again, was the question, and it was a question which, in a more rational manner, neither Lady Russell nor Mr. Elliot thought unimportant. Family connections were always worth preserving, good company always worth seeking. Lady Dalrymple had taken a place for th three months in Laura Place, and would be living in style. She had been in Bath a year before, and Lady Russell had heard her spoke of as a charming woman. It was very desirable that the connection should be re renewed, if it could be done, without any compromise of propri propriety on the side of the Elliots. Sir Walter, however, would choose his own means, and at last wrote a very fine letter of ample explanation, regret, and entreaty to his right honourable cousin. Neither Lady Russell nor Mr. Elliot could admire the letter, but it did all that was wanted in bringing three lines of scroll from the dowager by Countess. She was very honoured, and would be happy in their acquaintance. The toils of the business were over. The sweets began. They visited in Laura Place, they had the cards of Dowager Viscountess Dalrymple, and the Honourable Miss Carteret, to be arranged wherever they might be most visible, and our cousins in Laura Place, our cousins Lady Dalrymple and Miss Carteret, were talked of to everybody. Anne was ashamed. Had Lady Dalrymple and her daughter ever been very agreeable, she would still have been ashamed of the agitation they created, but they were nothing. They were no superiority of manner, accomplishment, or understanding. Lady Dalrymple had acquired the name of a charming woman because she had a smile and a civil answer for everybody. Miss Carteret, uh, with still less to say, was so plain and so awkward that she would never have been tolerated in Camden Place but for her birth. Lady Russell confessed that she had expected something better, but yet it was an acquaintance worth having and when Anne ventured to speak her opinion of them to Mr. Elliot, he agreed uh, uh, to there being nothing in themselves, but still maintained that as a family connection, as good company, as those who would collect good company round them, they had their value. Anne smiled and said, My idea of good company, Mr. Elliot, is a company of clever, well-informed people who have a great deal of conversation. That is what I call good company. You are mistaken, he said gently. That is not good company. That is the best. Good company requires only birth, education, and manners, and with regard to education is not very nice. 
Birth and good manners are essential, but a little learning is by no means a dangerous thing in good company. On the contrary, it will do very well. My cousin Anne shakes her head. She is not satisfied. She is fastidious. My dear cousin, sitting down by her, you have a better right to be fastidious than almost any other woman I know. But will it answer? Will it make you happy? Will it not be wiser to accept the society of these good ladies in Laura Place and enjoy all the advantages of the connection as far as possible? You may depend upon it that they will move in the first set of in Bath this winter, and as rank is rank, your being known to be related to them will have its use in fixing your family, our family, let me say, in that degree of consideration which we must all wish for. Yes, sighed Anne, we shall indeed be known to be related to them. Then, recollecting herself and not wishing to be answered, she added, I certainly do think there has been by far too much trouble taken to procure the acquaintance. I suppose, smile, smiling, I have more pride than any of you, but I confess it does vex me that we should be so solicitous to have the friendship acknowledged, which we may be very sure is a matter of perfect indifference to them. Pardon me, my dear cousin, you are unjust to your own claims. In London, perhaps, in your present uh, quiet style of living, it might be as you say, but in Bath, Sir Walter Elliot and his family will always be worth knowing, always acceptable as acquaintance. Yes, said Anne, I'm certainly am, I certainly am proud, too proud to enjoy a welcome which depends so entirely upon place. I love your indignation, he said, it is very natural, but here you are in Bath, and the object is to be established here with all the credit and dignity which ought to belong to Sir Walter Elliot. You talk of being proud. I am called proud, I know, and I shall not wish to believe myself otherwise, for our pride, if investigated, would have the same object, if I have no doubt, though the uh, kind may seem a little different. In one point, I am sure, my dear cousin, he continued, speaking lower, um, though there was no one else in the room, in one point, I am sure, we must feel alike. We must feel that every addition to your father's society, among his equals or superiors, may be of use in diverting his thoughts from those who are beneath him. He looked as he spoke to the seat which Mrs. Clay had been lately occupying, a sufficient explanation of what he particularly meant, and though Anne could not believe in their having the same sort of pride, she was pleased with him for not liking Mrs. Clay, and her conscience admitted that his wish to promote her father's getting great acquaintance was more than excusable in the view of defeating her.